We have been studying through uh, Genesis, started in Genesis 1, the very beginning of the book. I thought that was the best place to start. So we've gone through the creation account. Uh, We ended last week at day 7, which is in chapter 2. And today we're going to be doing Genesis 2, 4 through 7. And tonight's going to look a little different than normal, and I pray that it ministers to you guys um, it's, it's different than what I had prepared for tonight. I'll say that. And hearing the message this morning through our pastor, um, it stirred my heart and made some changes. And so I pray that that is the Holy Spirit working and changing my plans. So we're going to be Genesis 2, 4 through 7. If you need a Bible, Micah has Bibles. Just raise your hand and I'll hand you a Bible. The red ones have bigger print. And the black ones have the unreadable print. <laughs> See what you get. All right, so um, let's stand for the reading of the word. So this is right after, uh, just quickly, this is right after Day seven is in chapter two. So the creation account days one through six is in chapter one, which I've been saying, and I really, I'm bummed that the chapter break got put where it did. I I feel like day seven needed to be in chapter one. So we're picking up right here where um, we just finished day seven. And this is kind of the bookmarking of the creation account uh, starting in verse four. So Genesis two, four. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens before any plant of the field was in the earth and before any herb of the field had grown for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth and there was no man to till the ground but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we, we thank you for, uh, there is so much to say. We thank you for this place, this roof over our head. Lord, the comforts that we enjoy right now. Lord, we thank you for life. We thank you for breathing into us as we are going to study. Lord, we thank you for revealing yourself through your word, that as we read this, your word is living and active, and it's, it's changing us from the inside out. And we're discovering more of who you are and, and through that discovery more of who we are, would you soften our hearts to be open to that? That as we see things that rub against us, Lord, that our hearts would be softened to actually change those and not push back against your, your truth, against your word. But Lord, that we would see the areas that we need to change. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would, um, we're all in desperate need of you. Would you be with us this evening. Would you speak through me and anything that comes from me that's not from you, would you let it just fall to the wayside and everything that you have to say, would it just be loud and clear and articulate and powerful? And Lord, would you equip the ears to hear this evening that they wouldn't just be words and it wouldn't just be um, a nice speech, but Lord, this would be us diving in your word together. And Lord, what we would hear would be a, a seed that would plant in our in our hearts, in our lives, that would bear fruit in our lives, in our community where we live, that we could change our community, we can change our neighborhoods, we can change our families, we can change our workplaces through the seed that is planted as we read your word. So we thank you for all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. 
You guys can have a seat. So like I was saying, I kind of switched my plans up uh, a little bit with this. There, there's, uh, we've been going through kind of a, as we've been going through Genesis 1, it's been a little more teachy rather than preachy. And Genesis 2, which if you're unfamiliar, is the, uh, we hear the creation account again, um, but in more detail. And so there's a lot of different ways um, Side note, there's a lot of different views on Genesis 2 and the account of it and how to view it. There is the view of that uh, we've, you go through Genesis and then day two is jumping back into the story and expanding on it and looking at it much closer. There's a view of that this is, these are two separate things that don't push against each other, but it's, it's two t- separate times. They're sequential uh, and there's more beyond that. Uh, we're not going to talk about any of that. So that's for you to go study and find the controversy. Um, and I'll tell you this, there are strong believers, um, brothers and sisters who hold different views. This is something that we can wrestle with. Um, that's fun to wrestle with that we can debate on, but that the essentials are the essentials. Um, so as you, if you look into these things, don't get bent out of shape. These are brothers and sisters who are all trying to uh, rightly divide the word of truth and doing their best and, and finding out what it has to say. What, we want, what I want to look on today is really centered in verse 7. Uh, it's, and the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. First off, on day six, we unpacked a little bit, um, and in a way, I'm, I'm glad the Lord stirred in me the way he did today. I'm super grateful for our senior pastor for the message he gave today, because that, that hit home with me, and really is the inspiration for changing uh, plans this evening. Um, but on day six, we talked about, if you remember and you were here, we talked about the Imago Day, this foundational theological um, foundation pillar that we have, that we are, we are the only creatures that are made in the image of God and, and what that means. Uh, and we unpacked that a bit and it was a bit heady, but there was a part of that that I didn't get to really expound on as much as I wanted to. And I think today will be the day that we get to do that. First, we see, um, as I mentioned, when we were studying through day six, we have a lot of similarities with um, the other creatures of the earth. So just like the other creatures of the earth, we are made from dust. And so when we unpack dust, I I first want to just unpack what that means. These two elements that we see in the creation uh, of us as human beings is that we have dust and then we have the breath of life. One is in the same way before where we were unpacking that um, for us to see the weight and the beauty and the grace of what God has done by giving us the Imago Dei, making us in his image, we first have to humble ourselves and make ourselves not the hero of the story. Make day six not the climax of the story. We can easily, as idol factories, as all human beings are, we can easily make day sixes and then man, God made man. And that was the the pinnacle of it. And that's the point of it all. And it's not. 
It was, we are his grand creation, but it's, we're not the pinnacle of the story. We're not the reason of the story. And thank God we're not. God is the, the pinnacle of the story. God, when we view him in all his glory, that he is the point of it, then it gives us hearts full of gratefulness that he then has drawn us into this story and that he has drawn us into a relationship. He's drawn us into community with him and that he's given us these roles as human beings that now is, is not um, from a place of, yeah, like man, we're great, but it's made it a place of, wow, how humble, how small I am compared to the God who made me. And yet he's drawn me into his presence. He's, he's created us to be in community with him. And as we view it in that way, I, I find myself far more grateful. And so it's easy for us um, when we hear dust. I think I picture, and maybe you don't imagine stuff the way I do, but you're going to hear how my brain works for a second, <laughs> is I picture that God formed man from dust. And it's like these gigantic hands, like digging into the earth. And then whoo, somehow there's this adult male that like he made. Um, the dust is saying more than that. In Hebrew, it's, it's, there's a word for clay, which would make far more sense. We even see clay through scripture that he's the potter and we are the clay. Clay is a forming material, right? There's a reason clay that's, that he doesn't use clay because it's not for this strict um, picture. He's not just trying to show us a picture of this is how I made this statue, this image of me, this is how I formed it is out of the clay and I made arms and legs or whatnot. Dust, as we see in scripture, is a humbling term. Turn with me to First uh, Samuel 2, 8. It says, he raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor for the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. What he's saying here is that dust is not the, uh, you, it's, it's clearer here. The metaphor is clear, right? That dust is, is speaking of a lowly place, a broken place, a humble place, a weak place. This is, this is the picture that he's showing us when he says that we are made from dust. Also in Psalm uh, you can write these down, try to turn there, but I'll fly through them. Psalm 103, 13, as a father shows compassion to his children. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him for he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. And then Genesis three nineteen. So this is um, the chapter in Genesis that we would view. We would call it the fall. So this is the curse that is on Adam. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it, you were taken for you are dust and dust. You shall return. So dust is this lowly place. And, and as I'm unpacking this, I'm hoping that you're getting a picture of the dust is not simply a forming material. It's simply not, this is the thing I wanted to use because it holds its shape, but that the dust is a picture that he's giving us of this is how lowly we are. And as we view that, then the next part of that chapter becomes, I believe, 
far, far, far more glorious in that he didn't leave us in this state, but we are the direct recipients, recipients of this next part. And the Lord God formed man of the dust. So this lowly, humble, unable to save themselves dust. It's the same earth that the, the cattle of the land is made from. But here's the difference. And breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Uh, we did this a while ago, but everybody put your hand over your mouth. Whoa, make my mic weird. And say, uh, say hello. So you feel that air that's hitting your hand when you say that? So that is your ruach. So Hebrew. And that is the ruach is the spirit that we see in Genesis 1. So Ruach has like a lot of Hebrew has so many different meanings and we don't have really time to go through a whole study of that. It's super interesting. I would encourage you to go study through Ruach, but it can mean when, but this spirit that God has breathed into us is his animating life. And so he has breathed on this lowly creature on us when we see the magnitude of the, the gap between us and the creator God who made everything, he has breathed this animating life into us. And now in us, in all human beings, we have, it's the Imago Dei. We have this image of God that has been breathed into life in um, Job 27.3 says, as God lives, who has taken away my right and the almighty who has made my soul bitter, as long as my breath is in me and the spirit of God is in my nostrils. Pointing to this verse in Genesis and also in Ecclesiastes and the dust returns to the earth as it was. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. So we're our, this intrinsic value is this spirit of God that has been breathed into humanity and it's the thing that we see in humans that we, we value. It's the Imago Dei. It's the spirit that God has breathed into, into humanity that we, uh, that intrinsically has value. In our culture, um, I think this is where I'm going to begin to try to choose my words nicely, but our culture doesn't value life. Our culture doesn't see the intrinsic value of life. The value of life is simply uh, how it does it not devalue my life. Is it convenient? Is whatever it may be. And increasingly we see our culture devaluing life. Whereas God has given all of humanity this intrinsic value because he's stamped his image on us as people on our functionality and he's breathed his life-giving animating spirit into all of humanity. And uh, I don't want to mince words with this part is that I am not saying that this, this isn't salvific. So we have this life-giving spirit that has been breathed into us. God has brought us to life that is not the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the, the 
restoration, sanctification, and justification that happens in us. That happens as we submit ourselves to the Lord and say that he's our king. Um, that clear? That makes sense? Um, and it, it gives us also such, it gives me, and hopefully it gives you such a greater appreciation for then when we see, when we view ourselves as dust, it not only gives me a greater appreciation of this life-giving breath that has been breathed into us, but it gives us a great, a greater appreciation for this is the form. Look how far Christ came from a heavenly throne so far beyond what we can imagine. And he took on this lowly form. That's how far he came to reach us, to rescue us. And then even to just add to that, he not only came and submitted himself to an earthly form. He was a hundred percent man, a hundred percent God, not only submitted himself to this form of dust, this lowly form, but then humbled himself to be the least of the dust to where he has disciples and he's washing the feet of his disciples. This is a humble King who's displaying his reign in such an upside down manner, totally different than how we view it in this world, totally countercultural. And it's the example that we as believers should be following is that he doesn't bring his kingship to the earth by displaying his power, displaying his might, uh, pushing things around, being really brash and, and the bull in the china shop type leader. He comes in humble. He comes in lowly as a servant and serves and through love is drawing men and women to himself. And that is our example. Who, who are you and I to then try to exalt ourselves and view ourselves in a lofty place where we can, it's the, the game of who's the greatest dust. You know what I mean? Like our King has humbled himself. We have, as I was saying before, we have a society who doesn't see the image of God imprinted on our kids. We have a society, um, I would even argue, not just in pre-birth, um, but all throughout stages of life, we have a society that increasingly just doesn't value life. Life is being taken left and right um, by others and people by themselves. And we all have in us stamped this image of God, this Imago Dei, this, this breath of life. And it's, it's on us. And this is a big challenge to me. So when I say this, don't, uh, don't think I have it figured out or that I'm in the same boat with you guys is that we have, we have a really big job, a really big responsibility as the church uh, in this culture that we live to add value back to life, to view life in the light that it should be viewed. And I think to do that, we have to, we have to think radically. Um, and maybe that word is a buzzword now, radical, and it, it makes us think like kooky, but we just need to, to live it out. We, we need as people to put action to um, what we believe as this intrinsic value 
of life. This morning, our pastor talked about Moloch and how these people would sacrifice their own children to this god Moloch. And it was uh, sacrificing for, for comfort, sacrificing because uh, it wasn't convenient, whatever it may be. And, and we do the same thing in our society, in our country. We've seen so many uh, babies aborted. Um, and so it's been, uh, it's a major thing that we tackle as a church, right? This is something that's, that it's a major topic. Um, it's a hard one to, to navigate. I'll tell you just honestly from here, this stage that I stand on, uh, because I know what truth is, um, and I'm unwilling to compromise truth, but I also know, man, there's a lot of scars associated with this and people hurt, uh, when we talk about abortion, when we talk about the preborn, um, and so my hope tonight is, is to hopefully inspire you, um, as we think through and, and navigate this, uh, Imago day and, and, um, inspire each other to push each other to good works, inspire each other to, to really value, um, the image of God, these beings that have been given this breath of life, that they're a gift that is supposed to go on and carry out the, the plans that the Lord has. Um, and I hope maybe tonight will just be a push that we all take. Maybe it's not 10 steps, but maybe we just take one tangible step forward. Uh, when, so we, Katie, my wife who's sitting up here, Katie, we have two kids, uh, Everly, who's three and a half. And after her, we had a miscarriage and, uh, this is like our tangible step. You may think we're silly, but this was our tangible step. Uh, so after we had the miscarriage, we just decided that, okay, we don't want to just forget this child because if we truly believe what we say, we believe that that was a life, that that life was important, that that life had intrinsic value, then we don't want to forget it. And we also want to raise our kids to know that they had a brother or a sister, whatever it may be. And so um, we talked about that all the time. It's like, how can we do this? How can we do this? And let's like put, we'll have in like our family wall, we'll have ultrasound pictures, whatever it may be. And so my wife has... Um, however you feel about this, you can talk to me later about it. Uh, my wife has a tattoo of each one of our kids. So she has Everly on her arm, Daxton on her arm over here. And then she has, uh, the date that we found out we were pregnant up on her shoulder. And it's so sweet because just the other day, yesterday, two days ago, uh, our oldest asked, she knows she's three and a half and she knows that one is her name and one is Daxton's name. And then, so she asked, Mommy, she's like, Mommy, what is that? And so now we are walking through the uh, imprinting into our little girl who someday will carry another, God willing, will carry another human life in her that this is, this is valuable. This is your brother and sister. And they didn't find their value once they were born. They, they were knitted together in your, your mother's womb. Um, and so we find this intrinsic value and trying to pass that on. So um, the rest of the time, 
I actually have a story for you, and Katie's going to come up here and help me tell this story. So would you join me? This is my wife, Katie. You. Um, this story is hard to tell, but I hope it inspires you. You can sit because I'm going to be long-winded on this one. Um, I hope this inspires you. It inspires me still, and this happened quite a few years ago, like six years ago, I think. Um, and as we tell the story, first, my disclaimers is our pastor says it all the time. Everybody's been affected by abortion. Um, this is not, there's, there's no throwing stones. Know that, um, well, really, you'll see through this story that it's those who are affected by abortion uh, typically have the greatest chance for change. Um, and so I hope you're empowered. And also, I want to encourage you as we go through this, what I was just saying, that what is the way, and I don't know what it is for you, but what is the way that we can all leave here tonight and throughout this week? What's the tangible step we can take to broadcast to the world that I don't just say I value life with my words, but I value life through my actions. Um, Mike and Molly, it's, they convict me because they're going through the foster care system, getting qualified so they can take in foster kids. And I think to myself, as busy as we are, if you notice, my wife is pregnant now with our third. I just think if I'm saying I value life, then the actions need to follow it. And maybe we, got, we just have to go through that. And so I don't know what those steps are for you, but hopefully tonight is a loving challenge as, as we go through this. Um, so testimony time. I think this feels more like a testimony. Uh, so if you, if you don't know, I ha- before I was a pastor here, um, working here, I had a... Um, I worked in music industry. I uh, was a hired guitar player and then a um, producer. So I produced records for people. Uh, so I did that for a long time, just self-employed, um, played, uh, which is funny is I never tell anybody this, but this really kind of sets up the story. But I was, uh, I was Jennifer Lopez's guitar player for a little bit. And then I also, um, the guy I played with for a long time, his name was Luke James. So... Um, one of the musicians who I did the Jennifer Lopez gig with um, said, hey man, there's this guy, his name's Luke. Um, he's looking for a band. He's, he's with uh, Island Def Jam. They, they're doing a showcase in New York. Uh, do you want, let's go meet him. So we went over, long story short, uh, really fun, start playing guitar for this guy. And so we form a relationship. We had a really small band and we were playing, we did New York a lot. So we were going over doing quite a few gigs, um, really formed a relationship with this guy. And he had a girlfriend at the time who uh, became friends with Katie. And so this relationship just from, he's a, he's a work buddy of mine. He's my employer as well. Um, we started hanging out and then we had a, um, we had a gig in Atlantic city at the opening of the, the revel. And it was a huge deal. We were opening for, 
is this, this grand opening. And I think Beyonce owned part of it. Was that right? So she owns part of it. Um, and it is, it's a huge deal. And we're, she's the headliner. So we're opening for Beyonce to go on after us, which this is very funny that this was my life at one point. <laughs> um, so I, it's in Atlantic city. And so we fly to Atlantic city and I don't know, um, my schedule till I get there. So we fly out there. We're going to be there for a week. Uh, we fly out, say bye to Katie, whatnot. And as soon as I land, I get the itinerary and we have no rehearsals, nothing. We're just like up until the show, like we rehearse the day before and then we have show. So like, all right, sweet. So I call Katie and it's like, our schedule is wide open. Come to Atlantic city. Uh, let's hang out. So she, uh, talks to Stephanie and this is like the who's who this event. Um, the Obamas were there. Like any, anybody you can think of was at this thing. And it was, it was so bizarre, like totally tangent, but like afterwards, after we play this show, then I go up and we're in this VIP box. And it was like, I never felt more out of place in my life. Just like, what am I doing here? Uh, but I had my buddy. So it was, it was super fun. So anyway, this is a really big deal. And it's a really big moment in Luke's career, uh, as an artist. And so Katie comes out and, uh, we hang out the first night we go, go to eat with them, I think at the hard rock or something like that. And then, um, we split up and then Katie tells me, she says, Hey, Stephanie told me on the flight over here that, uh, she's pregnant and she's not going to keep it. And immediately it was like this, this is where the rubber meets the road. It was like this immediate character check that hit me. And then as I was saying before, like, what am I doing here? It was in that moment. I knew exactly why the Lord had navigated me with a career going to that place and why, uh, he had navigated Katie and I there. And so I was, uh, feeding Katie verses via text, like, Hey, give her this first, give her this first love on her. And Katie's, uh, pouring into her. I feel like you're going to talk soon. Um, and, uh, it was a hard time. And one thing I can encourage us all with, and I think Katie will probably reiterate this is we weren't experts on navigating this. I wasn't a pastor at the time. I, 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 I had grown up in church, so I think I knew quite a bit, but we weren't experts in, in navigating these waters. And I think a lot of times that cripples us as believers is that we're, we're timid. Like I can't handle this. And man, a lot of times it's just, are you available to be used? And you might not navigate it perfectly, but are you available? Are you going to let the Lord live through you and live through you imperfectly because it's part of you, but are you going to let him live through you? Um, and so Katie ministered to her and I wanted you guys to hear from her because predominantly the ministering that happened, uh, was from her. So I don't know if I left you off at a weird spot. No, um, that's good. I think it was 
like he was saying, I felt completely ill-equipped to to speak to Stephanie about this. You know, I didn't know anyone who had ever gone through that. And I think even at the place I was at in my walk with the Lord, I wasn't even super solid at the time. But I just knew as soon as she told me that, like, my gut was wrenched. It's like, you, you can't do that. You can't do it. And I didn't have any scripture to back it up on the spot. I was frozen, but I just knew you can't do that. That's a life. That's a baby. And she was, you know, we were, gosh, I was probably, I don't know, 22 or something. She's probably the same age. She had a great job. She was in great shape. And she gave me those reasons. I don't, I, I don't want to right now. I don't want to lose my body. I don't want to quit my job. I'm having fun. And I was like, oh my gosh, what do I say to that? You know, well, sounds pretty selfish. I didn't say that. I was trying to be gentle, but it's hard to, I guess to speak to somebody who who didn't see life the same way that I did, but we both knew that we couldn't just say nothing and we couldn't do nothing. So um, we had just a long lunch, just her and I together, and she was the the main reason she came was to tell Luke, and she knew it was going to be a fight, and it was a big explosive fight at a very not good time for him. He obviously needed to focus on other things, so. It didn't go well. So the two of us kind of became the mediators between them. And um, we felt like we can't just say keep the baby and then not offer any help for what it was that, you know, she didn't want to have to deal with this after. So, you know, we had a talk, and he immediately said, tell her we'll take it. So I was like, whoa, okay. Um, Wasn't ready for that. And I don't think... Either was I. I don't know what I was saying. He just said it, and I was like, okay. You know, we didn't, we'd only probably been married for about a year and a half at the time, and we knew we wanted kids, but I was working full time. He was never home because he was doing that stuff, and you know, that would have obviously impacted our life in a very big way, too, but it didn't matter in that moment. We just knew someone has to do something. This is a life. And so I kind of blurted it out to her, like, well, we'll take it. And she's like, what? No, you won't. And like, yeah, yeah, we will. I swear. Like, we'll, we'll take the baby. We'll take your baby. Just, just don't, don't get rid of it. It's, it's not an it. It's a him or a her. Um, so it was a really tricky couple of days navigating the two of them. And I don't know if you want to tell more of Luke's side about how he felt when she told him. He wasn't thrilled either. Yeah. <laughs> so Katie, and, and again, like, we're kids, married, don't have... We don't have any kids, and so at the now we have like two kids and kid on the way, and now like the thought of being in that situation, it's like, heck yeah, bring them on! Like you having twins, like I'll take them. Uh, but at the time, man, we were terrified, and I remember when like we were talking about it at lunch today, and she was saying to me what she just said to you, like that I immediately said it, and maybe I did, but I feel like time froze. And we're standing on the boardwalk in Atlantic City, uh, every. Every, like, we'd hang out with them, and then we'd regroup on our own somewhere and, like, compare notes. Okay, tell her this, tell her this. Okay, let's break up. And then I'd go with Luke, and she'd go with her and whatnot. So we came together, and I remember she said that it was that check that I'm saying tonight is it was this gut check of, like, am I willing to walk out what I so easily say is that I value life, but when it comes to... I'm telling someone else, value life, value life, value life. Okay, what are you going to do about it? Like, We just, like, we're not ready. That type thing. And so it was this real big check. And I I just knew at the time, I was like, this is, I'm saying something that could totally change our life forever. And I was like, we'll take the baby. 
Um, and so ministry kept happening. Um, and as we tell the story, I, I want to even stop here and say, these, we love these two people. And I, I hope actually in the end, you'll, you'll see that this isn't, uh, I'm not trying to demonize this, but there, there's a, there's a point at the end that we're getting to. Um, and so Luke is there with all his management, all his team, which this is a big moment for them. So they're thinking about work and we got it like, Luke, you got to kill this. And then she comes in and she's a distraction. And so the whole camp is kind of, kind of chaotic, um, trying to push her out. Like she needs, like, you guys need to get her out of here, send her back home. And then she tells him and however that goes down, but hotel room gets destroyed and it, it's, um, it's crazy. And so they have this volatile relationship that then got compounded with massive life decision. And, and both of them at a place where everything's going so well for me, why would I, we can't do this. And, um, and Katie and I are just trying to, trying to help them navigate through this. Uh, and so, um, after the hotel thing, Katie and her leave, they get a flight back home. They're on separate flights. And what did she text you? Um, it was, we kind of left it at a weird place just because of timing and, um, how everything ended with her talk with Luke. Um, we didn't, we weren't on the same flight home, but we kind of had our last talk at like some cafe at the airport. And then as I was sitting on the plane, my own flight alone, she had texted me and said that she was thinking of changing her mind and keeping the baby and um, thanked me for saying something hard to her. She's like, I know it wasn't easy for you. And so she's like, we just, I'll, I'll see where it goes. We'll, we'll figure it out. I just, once he gets home, I know we'll need to talk again, but you know, thank you for, thank you for what you said. And, we kind of just left it at that. So it wasn't a definite, like she did say she was, she was considering keeping the baby. It wasn't any talk of, you know, where we would go from there. Um, so that was the last thing that, that had happened with her and I at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Big step. Yeah. So then, um, Katie's gone and it was just one of those things where we were left hanging like, okay, I don't know if we handled that perfectly, but I feel like we were faithful in that we were there. We were in the game and that's, that's all we know to do. And so we finished the show, time passes. Um, and then we end up getting, uh, we end up getting word that, um, she loses the baby. Um, so she has a miscarriage and it happens to be on, Luke's birthday is when she, they're split and it happens to be on his birthday. And, um, what follows is just incredible to me. Um, and I think it's, it's to show us that the steps you, you take, we don't always see the fruit in them. And this one was one where the Lord let us see fruit and I'm so grateful, but don't let the lack of seeing something keep you from taking steps because you are with every little step you take, you are changing the world around you. You really are as believers, this counterculture. If we just take one step, the world changes just a little bit. Um, so f- fast forward, maybe a couple years. Um, and I'm in New York with him again, uh, 
I think this is right when I came on staff here. We were playing New Year's Eve at Radio City Music Hall. And at some point in that trip, it's, it's late at night and we're sitting in a black SUV waiting to go somewhere. And I'm sitting in the very back seat. And Luke turns to me and he says, bro, I got to show you the new track that I'm working on. And so I was like, oh yeah, put it on. So blast the speakers in this thing. And he plays a song and I, I like it. I enjoy it. And I can't, it's, it's so loud and everybody's so hyped in the car. I can't make out what anything he's saying. So I was just like, oh, but I like it, man. That's a good track. Um, and he must've, he must've read me or seeing that I didn't get it. And I remember he, he's sitting in like a, a single seat right in front of me and turns around. He has his arms like around the headrest like this. And he says, it played again. And so they started over. And as it's playing, he's saying the lyrics to me again, but more in like a sentence form to where it's making sense of what he's saying. And Yeah, as he's saying it, it's just like rocking me. And late at night in the back of this SUV in New York, hearing this track and just seeing that, what impact we can have. And this, remember, this is years later. Um, And so I want to kind of show you this. Uh, I'm going to read through it like he did for me. And then I'm going to show you a a music video. This isn't a, uh, this isn't a Christian artist. This is, he's an R&B artist, and it might not be your style of music per se, but it's, uh, it's not the point of to show you something, some music that you like or to promote an artist, but I want to show you the impact that we can have as believers into our culture if, we, if we're available, if we're there. Um, uh, so I'll try to like spell this out as we go. He says, I'm a man of simple knowledge. She's a woman that's prone to violence. This used to be something beautiful, red flags regardless. And love used to be our vehicle, but now there's too much mileage. Just speaking of, their relationship is, is rough. Uh, so please forgive me, because I never meant to hurt your daughter. But on the real edge, she's using everything you taught her. And then this, this line is kind of cryptic, so I have to spell this out. And this lyric is a miracle and a blessing and a problem. So this lyric, think of lyric as the gift of life. So this lyric is a miracle and a blessing and a problem. This lyric is a miracle, a blessing, and a problem. And all I'm trying to say is we've got options. All I'm trying to say is we've got options. Red or green, so what's it going to be? Because I've never been a fan of running. Let's fight the pain and maybe we'll see. But you can never see the future coming. Girl, I'm just thinking about our options. And then in this verse, it things take a turn. So he's saying, hey, can't see what's coming down the pipe. This baby's a problem. Let's just talk about options. So far gone, I'm barely breathing. She's holding on because she, she's got her reasons. It really hurts to see what we've become. And that's why I'm leaving. Betrayed by the good that we've done in one single evening. So please forgive me because I never want to hurt my daughter.
but on the real edge, you hurt more than I ever could. And this lyric is a miracle and a blessing, not a problem. This lyric is a miracle and a blessing, not a problem. I can't believe I said that we had options. I never should have said that we had options. Red or green, so what's it going to be? Because I've never been a fan of running. Let's fight the pain and maybe we'll see. But you can never see the future coming. I'm ready to love unconditional, so maybe there's hope for us. Trying to be a bigger man about it. Got to stop regretting things that I did. This time I'm used, this time I'll use my better judgment. So maybe taking life is not an option. It's heavy to me because as a musician, music speaks to me. And to hear someone in the, in the height of their career with so many other things that they could say that would be popular to say and would get them more views and get them more sales, to hear that the Lord could use my wife and I to minister to where someone could be affected so deeply and have their, their heart changed and really affect more people than I ever could. And you never know that step you take could affect the next person that, you know, could start an avalanche. And so it's us not being perfect, but being available, being this dust that God has breathed his life into and viewing other life as this life that God has breathed his life into and being willing and being available and taking steps forward Uh, so we could see a change in our culture. So while those lyrics are fresh in your mind, I want to just play the video for you uh, just because it's powerful for me because uh, I see my buddy and I see the, uh, I see the loss of a baby. I see the changing of a heart. I see the impact of what the spirit can do through his people. Uh, and it was sweet. I just actually was talking, messaging with him today, uh, which is just so fitting that this is a story that we share tonight. So if you could drop the lights and if it isn't your style of music, then just bear with me um, because the message is awesome.
I'm a man of simple knowledge. She's a woman that's prone to violence. It used to be something beautiful. Red flags regardless. And love used to be your vehicle. But now there's too much mileage. So please forgive me. Cause I never meant to hurt your daughter. But all the real is she's using everything you taught. And this lyric is a miracle. And a blessing and a problem. Yes, lyric is a miracle. And a blessing and a problem. And all I'm trying to say is we got options. Baby, all I'm saying is we got options. But it means, so what's it gonna be? Cause I've never been a fan of running. That's what the respect that guy so much. You go on YouTube and you see comments on that. And I remember when he put it out, it's just like, is this an abortion song? Is this a pro-life song? What? What? And now you go on it and it's so many comments of, 
this is my favorite song of all time. Just, I would encourage you actually to go on there and read these comments. And this is a guy who is, is taking his experience and is using it uh, and had every reason in the world not to. I'm sure is, is deciding what songs to put out. This is not the top of the list. I think it's a great song. I really enjoy it. Um, I think he's an incredible singer, but uh, controversial. We, that should be our mindset as believers, is to, yeah, it's going to cost me something, but this is real. This is, this is what I feel. This is my heart. I remember after he dictated the song to me the second time in the, in the SUV and I had tears running down my face and I remember I grabbed his arm and I was like, Luke, you, you wrote a song that transcends time. You wrote a song for our generation. You wrote a song that's actually going to change lives tangibly. Uh, and just try to encourage him as much as I as I could. And so my hope with this message, and I know this this evening took on a different form. Uh, my hope in showing you this and telling you this story is again. Um, I was just challenged this morning from our senior pastor, just talking about life and the abortion epidemic in our society. Um, do you guys have that ultrasound picture you can put up for me? This is my son at 14 weeks. And by the state of California, he's now 20 weeks. And we still have a few weeks that we can end his life. It's going, to take, it's going to take us as believers to value something so radically for the world to begin to, to question. I think that was the, the beauty in how the Lord used us in this situation is that Luke had a, a thriving career and she had a career and, and things were going well. And this baby, this life added no value to that. It only pulled value from it. And then as they tell us, our response is, we'll take it, give it to us. We'll take it. And all of a sudden that intrinsic value starts to shine through. It's like, Whoa, you, you, am I missing something? Should I want this? And as we as believers, as the body of Christ, act that way in whatever sp specific way each one of us is led, uh, that intrinsic value is going to shine through. That's, that's what I believe. I believe that as we do that, that intrinsic value will shine and will shine. And uh, I look forward to and I'm prayerful for the day that in our country that from the moment of conception that babies are cherished and loved and, and value is found. <laughs>